You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s, and Dirty Bird Nation. It's time for Crossover Thursday, Week 3 edition. I'm Corbin Smith for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for today's show, Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. Both teams coming off of a Week 2 loss. The Falcons nearly coming back and beating the Rams. I know Seahawks fans would have loved that if the Falcons could have found a way to do that. As for the Seahawks, well, they weren't anywhere close to winning their game, losing by 20 to the 49ers in Santa Clara. This is a big game for both teams. Atlanta trying to avoid an 0-3 start. Seattle trying to get to 2-1 and stay atop the NFC West. Aaron, we got big stuff to talk about heading into this matchup at Lumen Field. Before we do that, this crossover Thursday is presented by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun and easy to play. No competing with other players, just you versus the projections available. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. It can literally take less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love Prize Picks, and we know you will too. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Aaron, let's get to this week three matchup. Seahawks hosting the Falcons. First time these two teams have played since the season opener during the pandemic season in 2020. Again, the Falcons coming into 0 2, but They've been pretty darn impressive. They've been a lot better than I expected, even though they lost their first two games. Very competitive, had a chance to win both those games. What's the big storyline for Atlanta coming in? Obviously, there's no such thing as moral victories in this league, but the team has been playing pretty darn well to open the year. Yeah, it's all about getting their first win, Corbin. Um, You know, the Falcons, as you say, have been much more competitive uh, against some of the better teams in the NFC, at least uh, based off of what a lot of people thought going into the season with the Saints and Rams. Uh, And they got up big against the Saints and then blew it at the end. They got in a big deficit against the Rams, but then came roaring back. And now it's just about can they put together four good quarters of football and potentially win this Seahawks team, no offense, uh, is is not necessarily a, a stacked roster or a team that people are really expecting big things out of. And this is going to be one of the most winnable games the Falcons have in the front half of their season next week. They got the Browns and they got the Bucks, then they got the Bengals and the, the 49ers. And so if the Falcons can't get a W this week, it's it may be a long time, uh, you know, much later in the season before they get their first victory. So that's really what it's about. Can they put all the good things that they've done and shown on film the first two weeks with the running game, uh, with, you know, a, a decent pass rush in week one, not so much in week two, uh, but can they look more like their week one counterparts defensively early in that game? Uh, and if they can do that, then maybe they'll walk out of Seattle with a win. You're mentioning four quarters. I just want to see the Seahawks play offense for one quarter. That is my storyline going into this game. Now, it's funny because the first two quarters, the first half against the Broncos, Russell Wilson coming back to town, Seattle scored two touchdowns in that first half, and they built a lead, and they managed to hang on because of a few goal line stops in defense. But they didn't score a single point in the second half of that game. They did not score a single offensive point the entire game in Santa Clara on Sunday. The seven points they got were a blocked field goal returned by Mike Jackson in thrilling fashion to give them their only points of the game. 
and they just haven't been able to put any points on the board. Geno Smith's completed 81% of his passes, but he's among the league leaders in terms of being near the bottom of the league in yards per attempt. They've been very conservative. Pete Carroll's mentioned that they need to not hold Geno Smith back so much, let him take advantage of the receivers they have in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They had 35 rushing yards last weekend against the 49ers. That is truly what gives Pete Carroll nightmares. That keeps him up at night if the Seahawks cannot run the football, and they are dead last in the NFL right now in rushing yards. After the first two weeks, nobody thought that the run game was going to be struggling that much. They just haven't been able to get it going. So really, it hasn't been one specific thing that has kept the Seahawks from scoring points. The entire offense has been a clown show, just like that interception thrown by third-string running back DJ Dallas the other day. That play really summed up the Seahawks offense for the last game and a half. They have to show that they can sustain drives and actually put points on the board. I know the Falcons are probably excited hearing this after playing two offense that have a lot of really good players in the Saints as well as the Rams. The Seahawks have some really good receivers. They have some talent in the backfield. They've got a couple nice tight ends, but they have not been able to take advantage of that talent. They've had some issues with their offensive line. So <laughs> I'm going really simple this week. Can we score any points? Can we have one quarter where the offense can find a groove and put some points on the board just to get a stepping stone for some progress on that side of the football. Well, Corbin, there's an old saying here on Locked on Falcons that if you're in a slump, play the Falcons and you'll break out of a slump. Everybody was clowning Jalen Ramsey after his struggles in week one. And then, of course, he goes out and makes some of the plays of the game uh, to sort of seal that victory for the Rams last week. So uh, if, if you're looking for a slump buster, the Falcons usually are the team that can serve that up and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about some of the potential matchups uh, for that favor the Seahawks and or the Falcons as we continue today's uh, crossover Thursday. But I do want to tell you guys about a new sponsor. I know for me, uh, as I've gotten older, you know, staying in shape can be a little difficult. And I'm sure some of you out there also have similar struggles. But I've recently learned that it's not always your fault. As men age, our bodies naturally lose free testosterone. It happens to all of us and can make it harder to stay in shape and be energetic and active. But now there's a new way to counter the negative physical effects of aging. It's Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin. It'll help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, and get better results in the gym to help make you look and feel like the man you want to be. You'll feel stronger, leaner, with more energy and drive and more passion that your partner will notice too. Re-energize your life with a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text NFL to 231231. Text now and you'll get a free bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast. Just text NFL to 231231. That's NFL to 231231. All right, let's continue our crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Seahawks Falcons getting ready to duke it out at Lumen Field. I'm Corbin Smith for Locked On Seahawks. Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. Let's dive into some matchups going into this game. And I'm going to say that before we even get into some of the specifics, I think something that's really intriguing, Aaron, about this matchup, you've got two teams that they're not doing it the exact same way, but both teams are really in the same spot in terms of trying to get back into contention. They're in the early stages of rebuilding their rosters, and there are a lot of rookies that are playing extensive snaps for both of these teams. So 
I have a feeling that we are going to be highlighting a lot of young Seahawks and young Falcons that are going to be going head to head in this game in our matchups here. Absolutely. Uh, I know one particular matchup that I know you're looking forward to is one Falcons rookie uh, in Drake London and seeing how the Seahawks secondary uh, matches up with him. Uh, Let the listeners know what is intriguing about that potential matchup for you. Well, I've had the pleasure of being able to watch DK Metcalf go against Tariq Woolen on the practice field. So I've seen two super athletic, big-bodied receiver and corners go up against each other. And I made this reference on a few shows earlier, but it really feels like you're watching Transformers go to battle when you have a six foot three, 230-pound Metcalf going up against a six foot four, 33 and a half inch armed Tariq Woolen, who runs a 426. DK Metcalf's a 4-3 guy, and he's slow compared to Tariq Wool. I mean, you have two guys that look like they were created in a lab. You have that same feeling going into this game because Drake London at 6-5 is much the same as Metcalf in the sense that this guy's a really physical presence, a great athlete for his size. He can hurdle over guys, high points the football extremely well. He looks every bit like a top-10 pick so far in these first two games. And so this is a great litmus test for Tariq Woolen, who fell all the way to the fifth round, a guy that was getting some day two buzz going into the draft, but there were concerns. Is he physical enough? Is he experienced enough at corners? A former receiver that's only played two years of corner in Conference USA, is he going to be ready for this? It's going to take him a couple years. And all he did is win a starting job at right cornerback in week one, and he has just gotten better week after week. Gave up a few catches against the 49ers, but he also blocked a field goal, had a couple nice plays in coverage, had a pass breakup in their win over the Broncos, and really Russell Wilson wasn't able to do much when he tested him. So this is a great litmus test. You're going up against a top receiver, the first receiver off the board in your draft class, and this is a chance to reaffirm to people, hey, I'm a steal in the fifth round. I'm one of the best corners in this draft class. It's also Drake London's chance to show, hey, I'm the best receiver. I'm the number one receiver picking this draft for a reason. And you're a fifth rounder for a reason and try to take advantage of Lumen Field. So this is truly going to be a fun rookie versus rookie matchup on the outside that maybe is the matchup I am most compelled by going into this game. Yeah. Drake London's absolutely been a, a, a factor for the Falcons as their leading receiver, much to the chagrin of, of Kyle Pitts fantasy owners. Uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see if Kyle Pitts can get things going this week. But you mentioned one of the players that I'm intrigued to watch for the Seahawks as DK Metcalf going up against AJ Terrell, uh, who a year ago was arguably the best cornerback in the league. Uh, but so far this season has, has kind of struggled a little bit and, and particularly in the red zone teams have been attacking him as he's gone toe to toe with some of the opposing teams. Number ones like Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson. Uh, well, we know Cooper cups, true. The number one in LA, but Allen Robinson, as far as the outside corners uh, is sort of that go-to guy. Um, and he's given up a couple of, touchdowns and typically with AJ Terrell's career whether you're going all the way back to that national championship game between Clemson and LSU going up against Jamar Chase we've seen it a couple of times now with Michael Thomas as well as Mike Evans he's had most of his struggles against physical types of wide receivers and we know DK Metcalf as a a good buddy Robert Mays over at the athletic calls him is is basically a centaur uh, built in a lab as you mentioned uh, in terms of big physical uh, specimens as they say Uh, and so I'm intrigued to see if AJ Terrell can get his mojo back against a player like DK Metcalf who not only brings the size but also the speed uh, to take the top off the defense and so if uh, he can uh, sort of get that mojo back I think that will be a big part 
of the Falcons' success and slowing down the Seahawks' offense that I know, Corbin, you desperately want to see sort of open things up. And it's interesting because Terrell's first game as a pro came against the Seahawks, that season opener in the 2020 season. And I know that Metcalf got him a few times in that game. He also scored, I believe, against Robert Alford was the other corner. I'd have to double check on that. It was either him or Isaiah Oliver, one of those two corners. Uh, But Metcalf had a really big season opener going into his second season. And one of the guys that was a victim was A.J. Terrell. But as you mentioned, he was one of the best corners in football last year. So I think that's going to be a really exciting matchup. Now, switching gears, I looked at something I'm excited about when the Seahawks are on defense. When they are on offense, there are a number of players that concern me for the Falcons. You mentioned Terrell. That matchup there with Geno Smith, at quarterback, the, the hesitancy they've had to go downfield, that's a bit of a concern. If he does try to test him, is A.J. Terrell going to get his mojo back? But for me, I got to go to the interior offensive line. Gabe Jackson and company. Jackson is the second highest paid player on Seattle's roster, but he has not even been playing up to replacement level in the first two games. He gave up seven pressures on 35 pass protection reps against the 49ers. Most of those came in the second half alone. Some of that was just they had to throw. They weren't able to run the football and the defenders for the 49ers were just teeing off. So some of it was that, but their interior line has been disappointing. That was a group that was expected to be a strength for this team. And on the other side, you've got Grady Jarrett, who I think is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. Not quite in that Aaron Donald class, because Aaron Donald is here and everybody else is down here. But Grady Jarrett has always played well against the Seahawks. I feel like he gets at least one sack against them every time. His penetrating ability, his slipperiness, his underrated physicality, and just the way that interior offensive line is played, especially if they get him matched up against the center, Austin Blythe. Blythe's been really good in pass pro. He has been a hindrance to the run game, though. At 298 pounds, he's just not been able to move people. He's been getting knocked into the backfield. It feels like Grady Jarrett is going to have some matchups there that he can take advantage of if the Seahawks don't really step it up. And if your interior line isn't pass protecting and they're not opening holes in the run game, it's really hard to do anything on offense. And so I've written about it. I've talked about it on our podcast on Lachlan Seahawks. I think that that is maybe the biggest thing that is hurting this team offensively right now. Not the quarterback, not the receivers they have, the immediate pressure from the interior and not being able to move anybody with their guards and center in the run game, they have got to get better there. If they can do that, Jared is going to be a really tough test, but the Falcons don't have the depth around him that, say, the 49ers do. So maybe this is a game where they can get some things right with their interior offensive line and, in turn, allow this offense to maybe finally get a little bit of traction. Well, Corbin, it's funny because Falcon fans know all about having a tough interior uh, offensive line or a weak interior offensive line, I should say, uh, that makes it tough for your offense to function. That was the case for the Falcons offense last year. And it's it's not many times where uh, we do one of these crossovers and someone is talking about uh, the Falcons pass rush is, is potentially being a problem uh, for the opposing team. So that's a good thing to, to hear uh, from you that uh, it's not just the Falcons offensive line that struggles uh, from time to time. Uh, and I'll be curious to see if Grady Jarrett can feast. As you mentioned, he's had several big games against the Seahawks. The Falcons do have a 340 pound nose tackle and Anthony Rush that could give the undersized Austin Blythe some problems there. But, you know, speaking of 
questionable offensive lines. You know, that's been a, a sore spot for the Falcons for many years. And that's where my matchup is going to be. And I know uh, the Seahawks pass rush hasn't been great these last couple of years, which is, you know, kind of a shell of what they used to be known as, as one of those prolific pass rushes in the NFC back in their heyday. Uh, but they still have one good player, I think, up front that can really create problems for this Falcons offensive line. And that's Uchina Nwosu. He's a player that I've had my eye on for the last couple of years because I was kind of hoping that the Falcons would sign him in free agency. <laughs> Their pass rush, he winds up going to Seattle. And so far from what I have seen, he's had a really good start to this season. I think 10 pressures, uh, five each in the first two weeks. And the thing that I think it's going to be difficult for the Falcons is Nuosu uh, is known for having that sort of speed. And that's been a real big problem for the Falcons right tackle, Caleb McGarry, over the course of his career. I, I know McGarry has been playing much better this season, but Nuosu is kind of the guy that's tailor made to really give him problems. I know Nuosu often lines up more against the left tackle, and I do feel a lot better about Jake Matthews uh, going one on one with him. But the problem that the Falcons usually have is there's always a couple of games here or there where Jake Matthews will struggle and the unfortunate thing is the Falcons don't really give him a lot of help because they have so much confidence in his ability to hold up on an island so if it's Nwosu versus Jake Matthews Jake Matthews is going to have to sort of keep him in check and if you do see instances where Nwosu's lined up against Falcons right tackle Caleb McGarry I do expect the Falcons to do their best to try to chip him uh, with tight ends and whatnot and I know again those fantasy owners uh, of Kyle Pitts do not want to see him uh, chipping uh, pass rushers rather than releasing in routes and, and making uh, plays. So uh, that's going to be a key matchup, but the Falcons can keep Nwosu in check. I, I don't know if they have too much to be concerned about the rest of the Seahawks pass rush, and that should allow uh, their passing game uh, if and when it gets going uh, to, to really get going this week. If there's a game that Daryl Taylor is going to wake up from his early season funk, though, you mentioned Caleb McGarry having issues with speed rushers. That is the real speed rusher for the Seahawks. I mean, Daryl Taylor has elite burst off the line. He's made some splashy plays the first two weeks. He's also missed like 18 tackles. So he's left a lot of plays in the field. He's been a hindrance as a run defender has not played well in that regard at all. But he does have elite burst. He had six and a half sacks last year. This is a guy that can get really hot rushing off the edge. And so that was one that I actually considered a little bit mentioning. But Taylor's just been so down these first couple of weeks. At some point, he's going to figure it out. Maybe this is the week that he does. The Falcons certainly are hoping that's not the case. And he has another week where he continues to struggle as a pass rusher and as a run defender. We're going to get to some predictions here coming up in a moment. What do the Seahawks and Falcons need to do? to be victorious in this Week 3 matchup at Lumen Field. Before we get there, BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MLMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbett Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Joining me today, Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons. Aaron, we've got a big game coming up at Lumen Field. The Falcons at 0-2, they're in a pretty difficult spot, even though they've been playing well. If you fall to 0-3, the chances of competing at all for a playoff spot 
pretty much get thrown out the window. 0-2 is already a death sentence. I don't think there's been an 0-2 team that's made the playoffs since they expanded a few years ago. So not a great uh, start from a record standpoint, but this is a great opportunity for them to go to Seattle and get a big road win, get their first win of the season. What do you think the Falcons need to do on offense and defense to win this game? to come into Lumen Field and get a tough road victory with the loud 12s roaring in Seattle. Yeah, I'm expecting this game to be very competitive, a sort of back and forth game that's probably going to come down to the final possession. And I think the key in those types of games is often related to turnovers, right? It's you have to protect the football, and if you can create those takeaways uh, for the opposing team, you have to capitalize on their mistakes. And unfortunately for the Falcons, they've just had too many turnovers this year. They've had a couple of fumbles, a couple of interceptions, uh, and they just need to do a better job protecting the football, uh, particularly in scoring situations. They've had a couple of red zone turnovers so far this season, and it's taken points off the board in, in these one-score games that they've lost in the first two weeks. You, you can't help but think about those instances uh, where they, you know, things go a little bit differently, and maybe the Falcons are 2-0 and uh, instead of 0-2, and, and, and people are talking about this team as being one of the biggest surprises of the 2022 season. So I think protecting the football, you know, coaches always are sticklers for turnovers and, and all that stuff, but uh, I, I do think it really does make a ton of sense for the Falcons and if they can protect the football and be opportunistic if and when Geno Smith or somebody else uh, makes a mistake muffs a punt or something like that uh, I think the Falcons will walk uh, out of Seattle with a with a W. Since I don't want to sound like a broken record just mixing and matching some of the stuff that you just said uh, the Seahawks had three turnovers last week so that has certainly been an issue they need to correct but I'm going to go the opposite direction Pete Carroll and company, let's stop being conservative. And I'm not saying throw the ball downfield 40 yards to DK Metcalf 18 times this game because A.J. Terrell is a really good player. The, the Falcons have some other good players in the secondary. You're not going to be able to necessarily do that. But you got to let Geno Smith off the hook a little bit. Let him take advantage of the talent that he has on the outside. And so I'm saying make it rain, Shane Waldron. Let Geno Smith take some shots downfield. Stop with the dink and dunk stuff quick little passes to the tight end, whatever. Those are fine, but you can't build your entire offense around that. At some point, especially with the money you have invested in the talent that is DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you need to take those shots downfield. And I feel like the Falcons are still a team that are right to give up some big plays in the passing game. So take advantage of that. I don't think the Falcons have a very scary pass rush overall. Grady Jarrett has given them problems. Evan Katie's a player that liked a lot coming out of Penn State. But I mean, this is still a team that's finding their way. Geno Smith should be able to find time. The line should be able to give him time to look for receivers downfield and get some of those big plays. If they can get two or three explosive pass plays down the field and get DK Metcalf involved a lot more than they have the first two weeks, then I like Seattle's chances of winning at home much better in this game. As for defense, I'm going to go really simple. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. And what I mean by that, stop missing so many tackles. I think they had like 30 of them against the 49ers last week. They've really struggled the first two games getting ball carriers to the ground. They're getting themselves in position to make plays, and they are just not finishing. you got to do that. And second, the penalties. They've had some killer third-down penalties in the secondary. Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson last week had a couple of defensive pass interference penalties. Kobe Bryant, their other rookie corner, had a couple of them. And most of those penalties came when they had stops on third down, and it negated those stops. So they were shooting themselves in the foot. 
do your job on defense. Don't make those penalties and get guys down to the ground. Finish your tackles. If they can do that against this Falcons offense, then they have shown that they can get stops on defense. There's just been way too many of those mistakes that have extended drives. Get off the field quickly some and let your offense have more opportunities. And I think you're going to see the run game come to life. You're going to see Geno Smith take those shots downfield. Certainly those would be some things that would help the Seahawks in this game. But really at the end of the day, when we look at this matchup, Aaron, I'm just going to say this again from a Seahawks standpoint, it's very elementary. And a lot of times we have these crossover specials, we go in depth with certain types of plays that need to be ran or, you know, schematic adjustments. All that needs to go out the window as far as I'm concerned. You need to play smart football if you're the Seattle Seahawks and you need to score points. I mean, it doesn't matter if your defense improves from last week. If you keep getting shut out and the offense is doing nothing, you aren't going to win games in the NFL. And so Geno Smith, Shane Waldron, the coordinator, your run game, the entire offensive line, everybody's got to pick it up as a unit cohesively, and they got to put some points on the board. I'm not looking for them to score 30 in this game, but they need to put at least a couple touchdowns and get some field goals on the board, have some consistent success on offense. And I would just take a touchdown for right now with six quarters without any points. That would really be a game changer for the Seahawks. If you can just get some production from this offense that has some talent, but they haven't played to that level these first two weeks. Yeah, Corbin, it sounds like uh, you might want to see Geno Cook. Is, is that fair to say? I don't even know if I want to use the word cook anymore because that leaves you a bad taste from the Wilson <laughs> era. But, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of another word that would work with it. Uh, but I, I think let uh, let Gino rock is what I would go with because okay. I, that's, you know, if you've watched the way that he plays the game, he brings some fire, some passion to the game with him. And he's really trying to take advantage of this second opportunity, much as Marcus Mariota is with the Falcons. You never know if you're going to get a chance to be a full-time starter in the league again if when you fail with your first team. And yet both these guys, here they are, and they have a chance to be the guy again, at least for one year, before another quarterback takes over inevitably. Or maybe they play well enough they can put themselves back in that discussion as long-term quarterbacks. But, yeah, I think the Seahawks need to let Geno rock in this game and see what they can do to get that passing game humming a little bit because he's been accurate, but – They've been dinking and dunking. You're going to have to, at some point, get some plays downfield for defenses to respect your run game and, and really be able to sustain drives. Absolutely. So it, it, I think for both of us, we we want to see a clean football game. You know, yeah. no one's expecting yeah. this game to be a barn burner, some 45 to 42 type of a shootout or anything like that. Although now that I say that, it, it probably will sometime, somehow turn into that. Uh, but <laughs> I think the team that winds up playing the cleanest game uh, probably will walk away uh, with that much-needed W. But uh, that's going to do it for us here. And let's remind the folks sort of what some of the things that we've been talking about already today for you, uh, Corbin, what to you is kind of the big story of the week for the Seattle team? As I just mentioned, it all boils down to finding an offense. The Seahawks do not have an identity right now. They're dead last in the NFL in rushing yardage, and they have a really talented group of running backs. Rashad Penny, Ken Walker III, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. I mean, you can stack that up against any running back group in the NFL in terms of talent, and the top two guys are averaging more than four yards per carry after contact, so they're playing well 
in bad circumstances. The offensive line needs to give him a little more support, and the offensive coordinator needs to scheme up some ways to get that run game going a little bit. And with the talent they have on the outside, they should be able to hit him some shot plays, even with the drop-off going from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. And so you just want to see some offense on the defensive side of the football. Keep it simple. Make your tackles and don't get a bunch of dumb penalties on third down that extend drives when the other team has, you know, given the football back to you and then you extend drives for them. That has been a huge problem for the Seahawks the first two weeks, particularly last week. And it goes back to what you said, said playing a clean football game on defense on offense. I want to see less conservatism. Let Geno rock. Let that passing game get rolling a little bit. And I think the run game will then find some life if they can hit on a few plays downfield in the aerial game. Absolutely. And uh, for the Falcons, their big story is just basically finding a way to come out of Seattle with a W. This team has been close, but no cigar in their first two weeks with very close games that came down to the final possession. And can they put the lessons that they've learned, clean up some of the mistakes that they've made in those games that have led to those losses and improve upon that and get their first win of the season against a Seattle team that is vulnerable. And certainly when you look at the Falcons schedule in the first half of the season, this is one of the most winnable games that they'll have. And so if they can't get a W this week, it may be a long time before we see the Falcons get in the win column. Uh, moving ahead, let's talk about some of those key matchups, Corbin, to remind the folks, uh, what are we going to be focused on uh, heading into Sunday? The only matchup that just keeps popping in my head first and foremost, and maybe it isn't the most important one for who's going to win this football game, but I just am really excited because you got two young teams that have a lot of rookies that are playing extensive snaps and you've got unique talents in Drake London at receiver for the Falcons going up against Tariq Avatar Woolen at cornerback. Both these guys long, tall, athletic, super fast, physical. I just can't wait to see these two go against each other. I don't know how many snaps they're going to get against each other because Woolen hasn't been moving. He stays on the right side, but I think you're going to see plenty of snaps these two against each other, and I can't wait to see the top 10 pick go against the fifth-round selection in Woolen and, and see which Transformer is going to get the upper hand in this first matchup against each other in the NFL. Similarly, I'll be looking at a wide receiver versus cornerback matchup. You have DK Metcalf for the Seahawks, who's had a lot of success over the last couple of years in the in few instances he's played against the Falcons. And he'll be going up against AJ Terrell, the Falcons' ace corner, who was one of the best cornerbacks in the league in 2021, but is off to a slow start in 2022. And we'll just sort of see if this is the week that he can get his mojo back going up against a guy that is similarly built like a transformer, big and fast in DK. K Metcalf. And I know, Corbin, you are also looking at one of those key matchups in the trenches for the Seattle Falcons matchup. It boils down to that interior offensive line. And I can say this about every game right now. They've simply got to be better. Gabe Jackson's got to elevate his game as one of their highest paid players. He needs to start playing like a top 10 guard. He hasn't even been a top 30 guard here these first two weeks. They need him to elevate his game. And the other two guys in the middle, Austin Blythe, and whether it's Damian Lewis or Phil uh, Haynes at the other guard spot, those three guys all have to play at a higher level in this game. They're going to be tested by Grady Jarrett, who has a history of killing the Seahawks interior line and getting after Russell Wilson in the past. He's going to be trying to feast on Geno Smith in this game. So the interior offensive line needs to button it up and play much better in this game for the Seahawks to have a chance to win. And I know on your end of things, you're worried about the outside pass rush, in particular a player you were hoping the Falcons could sign at free agency. 
Yeah, I promise you guys we're not copying the same notes talking wide receivers versus corners and offensive line versus pass rushers. But similarly, my concern is going to be slowing down Uchina Nwosu, uh, the, the Seahawks uh, big free agent signing that has gotten off to a good start and making me feel, you know, a, some type of way that the Falcons weren't able to snag him uh, this past March in free agency. And whether or not he's going up against Jake Matthews, who probably will be stuck on an island, or Kayla McGarry, who the Falcons will probably try to get help to to slow down Nuosu's speed. I think that's going to be a key matchup. If they can keep Nuosu in check, uh, then I don't think the Falcons will have too much problems with the rest of the Seattle pass rushers, and that should allow their passing game to get rolling this week. Uh, that will uh, be it for our key matchups, but Corbin, remind the folks sort of what type of game do you expect uh, for this? What type of uh, game do you expect for this weekend? And sort of what is the keys to for Seattle to walk away with a W. So I'm going to cut this part out because we already had talked about the keys to winning at the beginning okay. of this. So I'm just going to close this off here at the end because that's what I was getting ready to do. Okay, so, my bad. And yeah, no big deal. It's just I was like, well, we already restated that. So anyway, here we go. Three, two, one. Thanks to the 12s and Dirty Bird Nation out there for listening to our latest Crossover Thursday installment. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Aaron at Falk Fans on Twitter as well. We're going to have a new episode of Locked on Seahawks and Locked on Falcons coming out on Friday as we get closer to Sunday's Week 3 matchup. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the game this weekend. Go Hawks and go Dirty Birds.